NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday night. Joe House, the tr- world traveler, all kinds of food he's ingested, everything else. Over the last week in my home state in Augusta, Joe, how are you, sir? Chase, I'm doing awesome, baby. I'm I'm fully recovered from the sandwiches of the previous week. I'm fully recovered. You know, we were very lucky. I was down in Augusta, Georgia, covering the Masters with the podfather himself. Mm. Bill Simmons, the CEO of TheRinger.com, my faithful accomplice on the golf uh, podcast, Nathan Hubbard. Mm. And then we had world-famous chef Dave Chang because we were trying to think of, like, what's strategically, who's the best fourth to, to, to round out our foursome down in Augusta, Georgia, down at the Masters. We invited Dave Chang with for, for one very specific purpose, and, and he, he was on to us. He knew mm. that, that we were what we were up to. We wanted somebody who could make late-night food. Mm. So – we had pantry pizza. We had pantry nachos. They were actually chilaquiles, which he Wait, what ate. is pantry? Like, what's the what does pantry do? What's the difference? Well, so when you're in Augusta, you uh-huh. don't stay at a hotel because there are no hotels. They, they the the hospitality there occurs. Everybody rents houses. Oh. So what we did uh-huh. was now the people who who housed us were extraordinarily generous. We had a mm. beautiful spread. They'll do anything for you in terms of groceries and stuff, mm. but we we still felt like we kind of needed to raid the pantry a little bit. Mm. So that's why we ended up with pantry pizza and pantry nachos because we were in the pantry a little bit. I love it. What was the best thing you ate over the last week? Oh my god, uh, that is is a it's, it's a great question. Now we had um, some elevated access to some elevated hospitality, mm-hmm. um, and so we were we were really um, the beneficiaries of outstanding southern hospitality down there. But mm-hmm. Chase, I got to tell you, the best thing that I ate was the first night that we arrived mm-hmm. when we went to Waffle House at eleven forty five at night, and the smothered pork chops at eleven forty five at night. With a side of scrambled eggs and hash browns, extra well done, please. Uh-huh. Just chef's kiss, magnifique. Uh, they, they, they I the, have never the met anyone stopper. who got the pork chops at Waffle House. I am oh! from Atlanta. I didn't know the pork chops were ever, like, I don't think I've ever actually seen someone eat pork chops at Waffle House, much less at 1145. That is a wild decision by you. 1145 well, pork chops. I've never seen it, never done it. One of the secrets to maintaining my spilt figure at mm-hmm. this advanced stage of life that I'm in at night when I'm when you're going because I I mean you know you got to eat when the when the hunger requires <laughs> protein mm-hmm. 
go for protein. Mm -hmm. The smothered pork chops, they were beautifully seasoned, cooked on the exact same griddle as uh -huh. the hash browns and the eggs. It would they were only it was just salt and pepper, but and and they're but they're thin and they they they're it's a beautiful diced onion situation mm -hmm. on top, and it's a really very simple combination, but so powerful in terms <laughs> of the, the, the flavor. It mm -hmm. just was it was everything that I wanted in a meal. And then, you know, the I, I had a little cheese with the eggs, gotta, you know, do that. Mm -hmm. And then and then the hash browns. I didn't even eat all the hash browns. I didn't need to, um, because the pork chop really hit the mark. So the smothered pork chops at Waffle House, I highly recommend. Ten out of ten. Interesting. What I mean this just threw me for a loop. Now I'm going to have to hit up my friends after this and be like, have y'all ever gotten pork chops? Cause like I'm from Atlanta, like they're everywhere and I've never seen pork chops pop up anywhere. So now you have me intrigued. I, that's, that's part of my job. You know, one of mm -hmm. the 17 podcasts that I do for the ringer podcast network mm -hmm. includes the house of carbs, which, you know, was a steady going show, uh, a regular uh, weekly show all the way up until, the pandemic and we're, we're bringing it back we did a few iterations of house of carbs last mm -hmm. year we just explored the food world in in a couple of different ways and we're going to do that this upcoming summer we have an iteration that i hope everybody enjoys we'll find delectable i love it i love it um what was the biggest surprise for you the masters was it a certain just run by a certain golfer was it just a performance as a whole was it the coverage what what was the biggest surprise to you over the weekend I, I imagine that my answer is going to be kind of a boring one, but I think it's kind of unanimous. It's Phil Mickelson. Hmm. It, it, it is like an impossible thing to forecast in view of the combination of turmoil that seems to have impacted his own life and the uh, impact of that turmoil on the quality of his golf game. Hmm. Like he didn't doesn't have any top tens on the live tour mm. let alone you know how he was playing before he made this leap his body is different he's on some in in some kind of diet mode it, hmm. it seems he's talking about his wellness coffee which feels like a sales job to me i feel like he's not revealing all of the things that he might be doing in terms of of losing weight and maintaining weight but he also, channeled. I don't want any wellness coffee. I want my coffee to not be wellness. The whole point of coffee is that it's not that, that it's this just thing that you shove in your body to give you energy. You don't actually care that it's healthy, like wellness coffee. That's that's silly. You and I are coming from from the same place on, on that one. But mm -hmm. for Phil, it is apparent that this was a, a kind of homecoming for him mm -hmm. in his return to the most prominent um, stage in, in professional golf and a place that he's had enormous success, a place where he knows he can comfortably walk the grounds and nobody's going to say crazy <laughs> stuff or behave crazily, a place where unlike many, many, many venues on tour, the players are, are pretty secluded. There are a lot of mm. walks on, on that golf course at Augusta national where it's just the players in 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 a portion of of the golf course, and the fans are hundred or hundreds of yards away because of the natural setup. Um, and so I just think all of that sort of fit him to a T, and he just found this this comfort zone, a, a kind of golf zen, and he channeled it all the way into 
a score that he hasn't shot since 1996 at mm. Augusta National, a Sunday 65. It was just magnificent. And I think the golfing public was reminded this this was a hero of ours if he, um, you know, hadn't done some some stuff in the public eye that seemed pretty crazy. He he's still beloved. People still want to root for him. I I think and Augusta for sure is an equal opportunity. Everybody shows up wanting the best outcome for all the players. Nobody shows up at Augusta rooting against guys. There's no you know sideways talk. There's no mashed potatoes in the backswing. There's none of the nonsense. So like a kind of a perfect place for him to excel, but who who could see it coming? Did you know on Friday what he said? Uh, was that something that was just on all y'all's minds when you were just there for the weekend of like, oh, Phil's confident, like where Phil was struggling and he was like, no, I'm good to go. Like he kind of predicted that Sunday run. Were you, were you aware? I was aware and also very skeptical mm. because... You know, the thing that um, we wondered about in our previews and all of the discussion in the lead up to the Masters is for the live guys who have not had the benefit of competing with in, in situations, four rounds of golf, real stakes, you know, not, not you know, I get my check kind of either way situations because of the the unusual way that the PGA tour has built its schedule really a once in a lifetime way. I don't think that they're going to keep the schedule because it's such a grind, mm. but all of these elevated events with these giant purses where the best players in the world are coming together. So the best players in the world are going head to head. They've already gone head to head, you know, a half dozen times this, mm -hmm. this uh, calendar year, which is like literally unprecedented. All of that, that, that like competitive golf grind was just missing for the live guys so that element plus four rounds and you you layer in what we saw in the weather forecast that this mm. thing was going to be a marathon at some point that they're going to have to play it turned out to be to be 30 holes of golf for most guys on on sunday um that that was its own unique challenge so notwithstanding mm. phil's confidence about how he felt in on the grounds and and in the in the moment i still was skeptical about him translating that into what he did, which was the Sunday 65. Who was the biggest letdown? Was it Rory or was it somebody else for you? Uh, probably Rory, probably Rory. I, I, I think that now with him pulling out of the RBC heritage, it, it's just the, the, the sheer weight of all that he's borne on his shoulders mm. in terms of the competitive golf, but also acting as the de facto uh, commissioner of, of the PGA tour, being the voice of, of the tour and, and, and such a, a, a good front man for, mm. for all of that. It clearly uh, has caught up with him and, you know, the early exit at the players accompanied by the early exit at the masters, he's clearly like frustrated by where he's at with his own game. He played pretty great at the match play in Austin. I mean, I mean he was right there um, as a potential. So the, Rory's got to be the one um, with the biggest disappointment. I'm going to give Justin Thomas a pass. I was disappointed mm. that he didn't make the cut, but I think he was a victim of like a two hour window of the worst weather. He was two under going into the back nine and he shot six over on the back nine and it was as the cold and rain 
all descended upon him. And for whatever reason, he just couldn't get out of harm's way. He and Bones were trying their best. You could see them working so hard um, to get around there, and, and and he just he just couldn't do it. And I'm I'm going to give him a. In fact, I have him circled as one of the guys I like in this week's tournament um, in South Carolina at Harbortown. Interesting. So you think there's a strong chance like we Rory goes away for a little bit? Like oh, for don't. sure. Yeah, okay. I think the next time we'll see him is in early May at the Wells Fargo. I mean, that's okay. a, that's a place that where he's won uh, more than once. He's got a tremendous track record of success there. Yeah. So I think he's just going to go settle down and, and, and hit the recharge. I hope the biggest letdown uh, outside of Rory, was there someone that kind of like that you thought coming in that you thought was going to have a really good week and that the masters benefit. And it's just like kind of a, a different guy you've watched throughout the the year that you thought had a big breakout moment potential and would have done better uh, given the circumstances that didn't um, Cam Smith, hmm. you know, like that the guy was, is the defending open championship uh you know holder right Mm. and he was one of the most interesting characters to jump over into the live context and he hasn't played particularly well this calendar year thus far in the live events Mm. but his 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 capacity for extraordinary play at Augusta, he's got all these top fives. It's not even mm. like you're looking for top tens and top twenties out of Cam Smith. The dude can channel the place, and it looks like he's a guy who it seems was missing the competitive fire. It just didn't wasn't clicking. Mm. You know, he shot four over in his final round on Sunday and ended up tied for for thirty fourth. Like mm. Phil Mickelson's out there shooting sixty five and grabbing second place <laughs> by himself. Come mm. on, Cam Smith. Defending Open Championship winner, show it to us for Christ's sakes. So interesting. I was not expecting Cam Smith, but that's a good one. I like Cam Smith there. Um, if you had to guess, with Tiger pulling out Sunday, the plantar fasciitis, what do you think his future looks like? Do you think t- we don't see Tiger for a while too? Was that his last Masters potentially? Where, what do you think Tiger's future looks like? I'm not prepared to call anything a last when it comes to Tiger. I do think that you know the the real shame of where he is in his life you know Mm. sort of physically and his his competitive um capacity he cannot um walk golf courses and Mm. augusta is an impossible walk you know it it is unique in terms of the elevation and so forth i don't think we're going to see him at the pga championship because it doesn't feel like that's enough time Mm. i don't think that venue oak hill in rochester new york is necessarily that grueling of a walk, but I think Tiger would prefer to be um, ready for LACC, the Los Angeles Country Club, in June, which feels like that's enough time between now and then. He, he I will tell you from from watching him and and walking with him a little bit uh, Thursday and Friday, stature wise, he still cuts a figure. He is an hmm. athlete. Like you look at at his, at his back and you can <laughs> see muscles. His mm-hmm. shape, his shape is very much a V shape. You can see the strength in, in, in his arms. He can't do anything about the fact that he's dragging his right leg, mm-hmm. and there isn't any medicine um, me- solution out there. There's no medical solution to that because mm-hmm. he's lucky to have anything that l- resembles a, a right leg, based on the crash that he had. Um, so I think he's just going to pick his spots. 
he told us um, at Riviera that he's only playing in events that he thinks he can win. So he's hmm. not doing, there's no ceremonial golf in, in Tiger's immediate future. So if that's the case, I think he's going to save himself for places where he thinks he genuinely can compete and potentially hmm. win. So he just, uh, he seems like a disappear candidate. He's not just going to hang around to hang around. Like when Tiger feels like he cannot win any of the majors anymore, he's just going to disappear altogether. That's, that's what he's told us. I, th- yeah. I think that's basically right. Interesting. Um, last golf thing. We'll talk wizards. Uh, sneaky, impressive performance from someone uh, over the weekend that you're like, that's someone to keep in the back pocket for next year in the masters that I think might be a good early jump on uh, for an out of nowhere guy. So, so this guy isn't going to be really out of nowhere because we've already seen him on um, the biggest stage perform great. But uh, Cam Young missed mm. the cut in his first Masters last year and then showed up at, at, at this year and demonstrated to us that he is going to be a, a serial top 10 guy if he can you know, sort of stay healthy. And he is one of my picks right now for the PGA Championship. Um, I just think he's going about to be a household name at the upper echelon of, of professional golf uh, for the foreseeable future. He announced his arrival at the Open Championship um, going head-to-head, really, with, with Cam Smith. Cam Smith had to birdie to match Cam Young's eagle on the eight, on the 72nd hole of the Open Championship. Like, who the hell is Cam Young? Oh, mm. he's just the dude that drove the green on the 72nd hole of the 150th anniversary of the open championship at St. Andrews and made the winner of that tournament, make a birdie on that hole to, to, to prevent a, a playoff. Cam Young is that dude. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm ready to ride with Cam Young. He's the oldest looking 25 year old I've seen in a while. <laughs> like I, there, I had to double check cause I will care about his age. And I'm like, there's no way that man's 25. There is no way that is the full beard, very hairy, very old looking, very rigid, it feels like he's been hanging out with John Daly for decades. Like he's I, a very older looking man. I hope that's true. He certainly swings the the, the golf club with the same kind of gusto as John Daly. Um, and I think, you know, that's his, his primary weapon is, is his driver. So I hope he stays healthy and, and all of, of what you're describing in terms of, of his visage <laughs> and, and his physical appearance, that, that looks like a big driver of the golf ball to me. There you go. Uh, actually, one final uh, master's question. What was the craziest thing you saw over the week? What was the craziest thing you saw? The craziest thing I saw. Um, it could be a I fan have... interaction, anything. Man, it's it's not going to be uh, that juicy because at, at Augusta National, there is no you know crazy. Everybody's happy. Everybody's yeah. hugging. People who don't know each other have chats. It's, it's such a wonderful, <laughs> unique, one-of-one one kind of a, a mm-hmm. sporting environment because – you don't have your phone. So you're not yeah. buried in something. You're watching the event and celebrating the event with everybody. And everybody recognizes how special it is to be there. I promise I'm not filibustering to get to what I think is this kind of <laughs> the, the funniest thing I saw. Um, it honestly was Dustin Johnson on the practice day on Wednesday. So we got there early enough to catch him and practice uh, him and Patrick Reed. Mm-hmm. on the on on the um front nine and dj looks a little satisfied that's the way there's a little there's a tiny bit of a more gray in the beard 
there's a little bit more belly <laughs> and then you could tell from the amble from the from the step from the the, the he's he's in a very casual place <laughs> a very casual and comfortable place he missed number four we were watching the par three he missed it twice you know left he walked <laughs> over very casually you know hit very lackluster chips up we were like um fade dj fade fade <laughs> dj try to tell everybody please 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 fade DJ. But you couldn't because you didn't have your phone you couldn't warn anybody you're well, just away you're off we, the grid when we when we got on and did our show mm. in, in the evening we tried to share with everybody our last thoughts our parting thoughts the thing that we did share with everybody mm. that we saw that day by the way was a lean mean brooks kepka and mm. i told people based on what I observed today, this is last Wednesday in this practice round, I am betting Brooks Kepka in a top 10, a top 20. I'm betting him a bunch of ways and I'm happy I did because man, he, he, he looked good. Um, would you trade Bradley Beal for Trey Young this offseason? Not because I'm asking as a Hawks guy, but would you, if that was the, the principle of the deal with other stuff worked out, like I have a trade machine for you right now with, um, Denny Avija. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Advija. Avdia. Avdia. You can Abdiya. say Avdia. Avdia. For Trey and Jalen Johnson is something. Um, so in the first place, I love so much Chase Thomas that when you reached out, you're like, I want to talk about the Masters and the, <laughs> the Wizards. And I was like, mm -hmm. Chase Thomas wants to talk about the Wizards? Mm -hmm. Why does he want to talk about the Wizards? What's interesting about the Wizards? Hilariously... In some respects, we have kind of a similar <laughs> circumstance. Mm -hmm. yes. So my answer to your question is a lusty no, no Ooh. siree, no okay. thank you, no way. Yeah. That is, to me, a treading water kind hmm. of exchange. And this is precisely the criticism that I've levied against the Washington franchise which mm -hmm. is taking a very nice player, a good player, an all-star player, and paying him <laughs> as though he is a super-duper star player, mm -hmm. a, an upper echelon player, a top 15 player. I think you could say the same thing about Trey Young. Mm. Trey Young is not an upper echelon player. He's not a franchise cornerstone. He's not delivering... 50 win seasons. He's not making all NBA teams every year that he plays. It's the same kind of resume. He's just about, what is he, five or six years younger than, than Brad Beal? Maybe even Good a question. little bit, yeah. maybe more than that. But mm. he, he's kind of a younger version of, of Brad Beal. Mm. Nice skill set. The one thing that I would say distinguishes Brad and Trey, and the reason that if I wanted to talk myself into it with Trey, mm. I would need to know who the coach is. And I would need to know who the other guards are to, to really have um, the, the full set of information to make an informed judgment around it. Because I don't think we've seen the best of Trey Young. And I don't know why it didn't work out with Nate McMillan um, or, or uh, the, the, the previous co coach was Lloyd it, Pierce. It was, yeah, it was Lloyd. Exactly. Mm. Um, and I don't know. You know, he, he and Quinn seem to be sizing each other up a little bit. I mean, Quinn is really trying hard to have him um, off ball a lot more, mm -hmm. um, which I think is probably the pathway to success. But it's it's such a work in progress with, 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 with Trey. Um, based on the data set up to the moment, no thank you. No, no trade. No trade. 
I'm just always worried because, like you said, like Quinn's trying and it's such a weird spot because he's coming in with a different like he still has the Nate staff under him. So he's working with that. It's really weird. Like Nate's son is still on the staff. Um, So, again, very strange situation here in Atlanta at the moment. And then it like the report, it seems like Quinn has final say over a roster now. So we're kind of just going back to the Budenholzer years um, without the actual regular season success. So that's always where you want to be uh, as a franchise. And. I just look at it from my perspective where I'm like, DeJounte Murray, you've already given up all the assets. He's older. I trust DJ more. I really like what I've seen from him. Like you could talk me into just like people who are nervous about Beal here where I'm like, no, like Beal and Murray fit a lot better. So it's really just selfish for me to try and put Trey Young uh, in DC, Joe, because like I'm looking at it as like, <laughs> it look that fits. It's cleaner. Bradley Beal is used to playing next to a ball dominant guard or just like he's played next to John. Like, I think he would be better off. I think this is a better fit. And then if you just ran with Clint Capella, um, John Collins, AJ Griffin and or DeAndre Hunter with Beal and Murray, I don't think you win the title, but I think the Hawks are kind of stuck. So <laughs> you kind of just have to maximize the DJ years now, in my opinion. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I mean, I'm buying everything that you're, you're selling, Chase Thomas. Mm. But the, the 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 challenge is, you know, and, and for sure, what your um, you know surmisal of Beal is on the money. He's a beta. He's not. Mm. He, he's not alpha. And and that's been the, the one of the things for 251 million dollars. I need a little alpha. <laughs> the thing with Trey is, you know, he wants to be alpha, but he we haven't really un uh, un peeled the onion off enough we haven't, don't, mm. haven't gotten down to enough layers to see what kind of alpha is the best alpha for 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 for, for trey I, atlanta uh, young in washington it doesn't help the washington franchise any i just think too when i see the things the last thing on trey is just He's turned 25 in September. Like the ship has sailed. Like when I think if Quinn was the guy when he was drafted, we're talking about a different thing because this is what Lloyd did when he got drafted. Oh, like when Trey was on. Like the reason they butt heads is Trey didn't want to play the way that Lloyd wanted to play and they were butting heads and all that. And Nate let Trey be Trey and it got him to the Eastern Conference Finals originally. And obviously we've seen what's happened in the last two years since. But like, I think it's just you're trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube with Trey. And I just don't see that ever happening because he's too old. He's already gotten paid. He's got the max and he can just go somewhere else if you don't want him to play the way Trey uh, enjoys playing. So I don't know. It, I feel like the ship has sailed and uh, the Hawks are out on their most talented uh, young player since Dominique Wilkins. Go Hawks. Um, <laughs> it's great. great. It's great. So what happens next for DC? That's my last question for you here, House. Like, what do they do this summer? Is Wes Unseld safe? Do they just do what What happens here? Like, what they, do they actually even do this offseason to address? They, they've, they've told the, the, the great fans here in Washington, DC, that they intend to run it back because mm-hmm. any any time you can win 35 games <laughs> and, and have a big three that goes 16 and 19 in all 35 of the games that they're able to play together. Mm-hmm. Anytime you can pay a guy $251 million to play 50 games, uh, you know, he, here's the thing that's truly scary if you're a DC fan. Mm-hmm. Both Kyle Kuzma and Christoph Porzingis just had the best seasons of their career. Mm-hmm. And with that, the Wizards won 35 games. Now, a big part of that is because Bradley Beal 
only played 50. And, you know, this was by far for Zinger his most, most healthy season. He was incredibly efficient mm-hmm. as a scorer. It was kind of um, jarring the first, like, 10 games or so, mm-hmm. watching him try and play defense and watching him get knocked off the block. Like, I I, I wasn't a, a prepared for that. He's giant. He's, like, 7'3 or whatever within mm-hmm. a, a, such a beautiful stroke. But he he has – that's a dude with no ass on him. Like, they, <laughs> he can get moved. He can get moved left, right. I mean, a, any which way. But – uh, the Wizards intend to run it back because that's what they want to do. They um, put on the TV screen during, I think it was Saturday's Gay Friday's game, maybe, that this is the seventh season of the past 10 seasons that they've won at least 35 games. So that's a, an accomplishment. And now because... The playoffs include the potential 20 of the 30 teams in the NBA can say that they're trying to get into the, the playoffs, the play in. Um, I guess that's the goal. I mean, you know, if I was in charge, I would be trying to trade bad Brad Beal. I would have traded Brad Beal two years ago. They need to bite the bullet. They need to take the pain this season as we entered the 2022-2023 season with the draft uh, uh, reward at the end of Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson, or now it appears Brandon Miller, with that draft reward sitting, this was the season to do what San Antonio did and what Detroit did and what Houston did. The Wizards should have been in that mix, and Bradley Beal should be somewhere else playing competitive basketball right now. He should be in the playoffs, honestly. He could really help. A contender, um, but no, I guess we're just going to try and win thirty six games next year, Chase. Well, no, it's great. You got Johnny Davis. <laughs> um, I'm going to be generous because mm-hmm. I was very uh, ungenerous, I guess, based on what I saw of him in the summer league and in the first, you know, thirty games or so of the NBA season. He was literally not ready to play NBA level basketball. Mm-hmm. He didn't belong on the court. Um, the Wizards, to their credit, put him down in the G League. They he, he definitely developed. He showed a lot more comfort over these last dozen games. They gave him some run just to see. And, and you know, hope springs eternal. Maybe he can be a productive NBA player, which is a pretty dramatic uh, turn of events based on what we saw in the first part of the season. Here's what we do. You, me, and Bill, we set up a GoFundMe to just – intercede on the nba's behalf and just put beal in portland like damian lillard and bradley beal just wasting away on teams that just don't even make the play in and they're still just all nba players just they were made for each other like just give them the remainder of their prime together see what they can win i don't think they win the title with the two of them they win a lot of games they win 50 regular season games they'd be in the playoffs year over year the end of this let's just do that give you shade and sharp and maybe somebody else and then bradley beal bradley beal damian lillard let's just end with that no joke. Now you're talking. I would do that in a heartbeat. I love right? Shaden Sharp. That, that makes a be, lot of sense for both sides. Tremendous. Just do that. Yeah, and the good people of Portland would would take good care of Bradley Beal. It would yes. Give him the nat- nurturing environment, and Dame is exactly the alpha that Bradley Beal needs. Yeah. And they would just score, score, score. It'd be super fun. I love what you're selling, Chase. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. There you go. There you go. All right, we're in here, and we'll I'll get you out of your house. This is a peek behind the curtain. People are going to wonder because they now know that you and the team were over at Waffle House 
with Bill Simmons as a Boston guy. What was his Waffle House order? Because I you went pork chop, so I have no idea. I have no concept for what his order would be. So he he to his credit um, went right down the middle with one of the bowls. Right, they have these. I do the bowls. I do the sausage and egg and cheese bowl every time I'm in there. It's so, so convenient. There's a picture um, uh-huh. uh, in Golf Digest right now because we um, we did a podcast that that it was a Tuesday night or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And Golf Digest listened to it and did a quick summary because David Chang really <laughs> sung the praises of the operational efficiency of Augusta National. Mm-hmm. He's, he, speaking of being behind the curtain, he'd done some cooking there at Augusta National mm-hmm. um, as part of a bit in the Masters a couple of years ago. So we got mm-hmm. to see some of how they work. And he was just so impressed, as 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 always, by what they're capable of. And so he, he made those comments on the podcast, Golf Digest, uh, aggregated it. And Bill had posted a picture of our meal at uh, Waffle House. So you can actually see what he ordered. It's exactly okay. the sausage uh, and egg and hash brown bowl. It, you it can't was go wrong. It's all reliable. Like yeah. the all-star special is great. Like I would never steer somebody away, but that's heavy. That's yeah. a big commitment. Like I've seen my cousin kill two of those in one sitting at three oh. o'clock in the morning. And it was oh, one my. of them. Like lick the plate. Um, what a like, hero. Like real legendary stuff i don't even know how many calories that is like the heartburn and just something you can only do when you're like 21 years old it's not something you can do later in life i mean you (laughs) can i guess it just won't i I cannot anymore that's why i went for the pork chops yeah i mean hey i'm getting pork chops next time i'm there my father-in-law was just there yesterday and i uh yeah pork chops all right there you go delicious house what can the good folks check out from you and the team over the ringer friday rolling a fairway rolling excuse me and house of carbs what else what can we so yeah house of carbs is off in 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 the summer um Mm. we'll have another edition but uh on a weekly basis fairway rolling we we saw uh take into account whatever's going on in the pga tour those shows up typically tuesdays and then right now Mm -hmm. three times a week in the ringer gambling feed east coast bias me john destremski and raheem palmer on breaking down all the angles of the NBA and also looking, it's not never too early to start looking at the NFL. The draft is right around the corner. Three days a week, East Coast Bias in the Ringer Gambling Feed. You can catch us trying to do our best to help you produce a little return on investment. Allocate that capital carefully. But please check it out. Ringer.com, Ringer Podcast Network. There you go. And, you know, House said it first. And in Hooker round one, Jalen Hyatt round one, and Joe Milton, early Heismanots. He's all in on the Tennessee train. That's what (laughs) many are saying is Joe House, big Tennessee guy. House, thank you so much for making the time today. It was great chatting with you, and uh, we should do it again soon. You, You let me know when, Chase. If you call, I say yes. Awesome. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you.
Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.